Hi, and welcome back to Manifest Destiny. My name's Rebecca. And I'm Blair. And we're going to be sharing some fun facts about American history today. Um, Maybe less fun today and more... It's a little less fun today than it yeah. normally is, but there's fun elements. There's there's patriotic elements. We're there's laughing. less patriotic elements. We're learning. Um, big news, though. We had our first friend of the podcast give us yes. an early review of <laughs> Manifest Destiny. Um, and here are some of her thoughts that she shared with us. Rebecca's voice is so professional. I can tell that she has a career in radio. I'm flattered. One comment, you say you know a lot. And like a lot. When you're talking at the same time, it's too much. Like, you're telling the eighth grade story together, but can't talk over each other. Have to be one at a time. I'm like, no, that's like, you know, we're, we're having fun. We're laughing. We're laughing. We're laughing. We're learning. Reminiscing. And she goes, and I'm like, oh, yeah, we're going to cut a lot of the high school stories out, like, unless people think they're funny, which probably they are not, LOL. She goes, it makes it more human. I don't mind it. Just can't follow when you're both jumping in. I'm like, fuck you. And then she goes, love how you're talking about how it applies to current events, like, blah, blah, blah. And then she goes, she is more Karen of My Favorite Murder. She's oh, saying that you are more Karen than me. I love And I'm her. like, I cannot believe that. That's the most insulting How are you thing. so shook on like a psychological I'm psychologically this? hurt by it, especially since she knows how much I hate Georgia and we talk all the time about how Georgia so is a So you think it's like a direct shot that she was calling you Georgia? This wasn't just no, no, we, I'm more of a Karen. We were she was talking calling about you how much of we hate Georgia like literally four days ago at lunch. Like, Will your like, friendship survive this I mean, podcast? I don't know. I mean, I'm not... I don't know if she's going li- to listen to the next batch of apps. She might not be our first ears. And then she also goes, your voice gets super high at times. I'm like, oh, my God, my eardrum will burst. Wow. And then I just said, how are you Karen? How is she more Karen? And she just never replied. Wow. That's, That's the most devastating thing you can do She just started talking about something else. Wow. <laughs> so, so are we best friends now? And maybe you guys are on the outs? I mean, yeah, she'll be contacting you. Maybe she. I'm maybe that's excited. her plan. Maybe she's trying to my usurp circle. me, but whatever. It's not important. First time. What about you? What's new with you? Not much. (laughs) We're just bantering away, aren't we? Just banter. I mean, it's what the people want, clearly. (laughs) Um, Yeah, things are good. I didn't have power for five days this week. Oh my God, I forgot about that. Did you not have power? I was on a sailboat. Oh, that's right. (laughs) Chappaquiddick, here she comes. She was literally sending Oh my God, I was at Chappaquiddick. Chappaquiddick porn. And side note, this is actually, I was going to maybe do a corrections corner about Chappaquiddick, but... In the episode, do it now. Here's your time. Yeah, in the episode, I said that Chappaquiddick, you can get to the mainland by the Dyke Road Bridge where Ted went off. Yes. yes. But it's actually only by ferry, and the Dyke Road is just bridge where he went off. The bridge is just on the way. Oh wow! Okay. But there's there's a ferry. So literally, but I was like excited to go to. I was like, I want to run on Chappie. Like I'm gonna take pictures for the podcast. And I was like, Are you gonna pay for the ferry? Like Are you gonna get a token and like stand in line for the ferry? I'm like, like, No, you mom. There's it. a bridge. So yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's wow. ultimately not how I pictured it, but so you can't say this podcast isn't factual. Here we are correcting our own work. You also in can't say that Chappaquiddick and Edgar Town are united by a bridge because they aren't. No. They just aren't. But that was a learning lesson for me, and I did love being Teachable there, moments. Thinking about MJ, Mary Jo Capecci, yeah, on our hearts and in our minds. Always. Never Always. forget. Never forget her. Yeah, and that's all that's new with me. Wow. Just a lot of reflection on Mary Jo yeah. for me in the last week. But what yeah. did you do when you didn't have power? Did you have Wi-Fi? No, I had nothing. I had no cell service. I lived <laughs> like a Onita community member engaging in plural marriage and mutual criticism for five days. 
I wow. read by candlelight. Oh my I god, really? I the strings of my guitar for the first time in two years. I was there the first two nights it was out, and I had a legitimate headlamp that my mom keeps wow. around for comedic it's effects during such blackouts. We only had nice. tea lights the first night, just oh, like wow. tiny little quick burners, oh my god, and I, I spilled you. wax on every surface of it this apartment. It sounds romantic. If you go to the bathroom, wax all over the floor. Be careful. It was a nightmare. And then after that, we got one real candle, and then the next night, we got a lantern, which was exciting, and we really felt like we were living in modernity then. We went to bed at like 8 o'clock. A lantern? Like a <laughs> gas lantern? No, it was an electric lantern. How did you... Batteries, baby! Welcome to the 21st century! How an electric lantern if there were batteries? I mean, what else? A battery a powered? A battery okay. powered... Pardon. <laughs> it was a ba- I'm not an outdoorsman. I, I'm an indoor child. This one's <laughs> you know very what, traumatic you know for me. electricity... You know, electricity works. I, I mean, clearly you? not well enough. We're going to have to do it as an ID. We next. I would love that. No kidding. What are we speaking of IDs talking about today? Today is kind of an intense day. I know. <laughs> because we're addressing something that Yikes. has haunted. It's in the back of everyone's mind at all times. It's a part of the American collective unconscious. Yes. Ooh, but no one that. ever talks about or knows where it comes from. I'm but ready. this is what it is. Do you know? Did I already tell you? You did, but I want you to tell the people. The Pledge of Allegiance. The Pledge of Freaking Allegiance. This is this story has more twists and turns than I expected, too. I'm so ready. First of all, Dive I first in. look it up. I'm like, okay, it was originally written by Francis Bellamy. And I was like, why does that name sound so yeah. familiar? Why does it sound familiar? Because his cousin, Edward Bellamy. Also very familiar sounding. Wrote a very well-known, like... 1850s utopian novel called Looking Backwards. Oh. And it's always mentioned with like all the utopian communities yeah, that pop like up. Thomas More and like, that shit. Yes, yeah. all of that stuff. So, um, so anyway, so it's the cousin of that guy. They're both wow. from upstate New York, the quote unquote burned over district, as they used to call it. Love that. Um, because Utica used to be like a crazy canal town and everybody no, was having so much fun there. Um, so he was born um, in 1855 to a religious family, Baptist family. His dad was a Baptist minister. Um, he became a minister, too. And another thing to note about the quote-unquote burned-over district, which basically just refers to this random area of upstate New York that was really popping for, like, 35 years. Um, and it's a really weird place. Like, I went to school there, and, like, in Utica, they have um, – it's called, like, the Hotel Utica, and it's, like, the fanciest, craziest, like, Gilded Age hotel you've ever seen in your life, but it's, like, completely empty and creepy. It's it's basically, like, the set of, um, what was that Disney movie where there was, like, a haunted elevator? No idea. It was, like, that hotel. Was it one of the live-action Disney movies? It was a live, no, 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 it was, like, it was more of a Disney channel. Okay, original movie. It was, it wasn't a decom, it was, like, they bought it from someone. It oh, was I like It was, like, on level with, like, Life Size. Oh, but that was great. Oh, Tower, Tower Terror. Terror, yes. We Tower a, Terror, duh. We got an informational producer in the yeah, house fact-checking us today. here for the Hello. first time ever. Um, so anyway, so it's creepy. So there was like this huge boom in upstate New York, and then it just went back to being an abandoned place for farmers. Um, but at the time, that was really when where the Second Great Awakening, it was kind of the epicenter of oh. it, which, you know, we'll get into it eventually. <laughs> Second Great Awakening, not at the top list of my priorities. But I will say that... Um, People were just loving it, and they were living for the now, and they were, like, following itinerant ministers around and just, like, feeling, like, the fire and brimstone of everything. They were like, modern life is not fulfilling you, like, you need Jesus type of thing. So there's a huge surge in religiousness at the time, but it's worth noting that Bellamy is a very firm believer of the separation of church and state. I love that. Wish we could do more of that. Totally. So he gets approached by this magazine, Youth's Companion. Um, and they had started a, this is where it gets shady as hell. 
They had begun a campaign to sell U.S. flags to public schools. Oh, boy. As a premium. So it's literally just consumerism. So, yeah, so literally they were like, if you buy our magazine, we'll... This is the most aggressively American origin story I've ever heard in my life. Isn't that crazy? So they were like, okay, like, if we can... We'll send you a free flag if you order this magazine. (laughs) But they were like... But, and they, and business was booming. Like, people were into the flags. But the flag promotion, promotion was more than merely, merely a business move. The youth companion became fervent supporter of the quote-unquote schoolhouse flag movement, which aimed to place a flag above every school in the nation. So literally the whole stat, the whole Pledge of Allegiance is just a literal short grift, like a flag sales This is a scam. Like, it's literally a scheme. So he's working with this magazine for a while, and around 1892... Well, no, it wasn't around then. It was 1892, which um, the magazine had sold U.S. flags to 26,000 schools, but the market was slowing down. <laughs> they needed they needed, they needed to more schools, more flags. They needed more schools. So um, this one guy that worked with the magazine, Upham, um, the nephew of the owner, he had the idea to use the 400th anniversary of Col- Christopher Columbus's landing in the Americas. It's always somebody's evil nephew that comes up with shit yes, like this. It's definitely. like Cousin Greg just coming in and being like, <laughs> I'm gonna fuck your shit up. Um, reaching the Americans, Americas in 1492 to further, to further bolster the schoolhouse flag movement. And if you're gonna get involved in a, if you're gonna get involved in a movement, let it be the schoolhouse flag movement. Can we rename the Pledge of Allegiance schoolhouse flag uh, I mean, movement I, in well, the canons of AP we'll West history? It. We'll get to it. It gets weirder. <laughs> Literally, so... They're like, yeah, 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 we're into this. Like, write something, and they'll do it at the Chicago Exposition. Of course, where everything was happening. Where everything was happening, because it opened on Columbus Day in 1892. Naturally. On October 12th. So they were like, let's unveil our big Pledge Talk of Allegiance Talk about Manifest fair. Destiny. Talk about Manifest Destiny. That was a great fair. <laughs> and more murders than your typical fair, too. Like, truly. We'll get into it. Although, we'll get into it, but I just want to say one thing about the Chicago's World Fair. I read, like every white Privileged Devil in the White City. Like every privileged white man in America. I read Devil in the White City. It's not only every privileged white man in America. It's every privileged white man in America's favorite book. No, 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 no. Okay, here's my thing. This is a total aside, but I just do want to go on record saying three years of being single in New York fucking city. I said it. You say it every episode. <laughs> this podcast doubles as Blair's now like, it's like, expanded now Tinder it's an, profile. Now it's an Easter egg, too. It's like when Blair, like, take a shot when I mentioned living in New York. But anyway. The, and being single in New York. The number, I, yeah, I'm, I'm basically, please date me. Um, but anyway, the one thing I've noticed from being single in New York for three years, every, every boy I've ever gone back to his apartment, there are five books on the shelf. And here's what they are. <laughs> number one, Devil in the White City. Naturally. Number two, or some form of Eric Larson. Okay. Number two, Liar's Poker by Michael Lewis, or <laughs> some form of Michael Lewis, but probably Liar's Poker, because you know their dad gave it to them, and of it course. was a whole thing. It's and a fun game, too. Number three, can you guess number three? No. I, this is your moment. No, 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 no. Just, just take a guess. What do all white men need to read about? Theodore Roosevelt. Oh, yes. <laughs> There's always. I was about least, to say Tucker Carlson. There is always at least one biography of Theodore of course, Roosevelt. Of course. Um, Walk and, softly and carry a big stick. I know. The and s- subtitle of every penis. Every white man's dream. And God, what are the other ones? We got three. I I mean I'm rusty. The coronavirus has. We can go back and post I've and edit a, it so that it said you only said three. Okay. But we're not going to do that. 
We don't have to do it. I'll think of the other two. I'll circle back. Next, right. at, the, at the top of the next episode, I'll tell you the other two. I, I know. It's just, it's it's been a long time since I've been on a date, Rebecca. I won't lie to you. I haven't seen the interior of a man's apartment in many, many, seen the interior of many, 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 many moons. So I'll get back to you with the other ones. But that's also kind of like my first date gimmick. I always kind of say that too and they're always and like and you just make them all feel super reductive fe- and basic yes it like, makes them oh, so you think insecure you're interesting you read yeah no yeah. that's it's actually an, it's actually a brilliant move because sometimes intellectual pegging sometimes they're like no I read so much more like come back I'll show you like sure and I'm like okay you're Jen. not gonna show me anything yeah. you can text me a respectful three days from now and pay for another meal of mine and then exactly. we'll talk about it See, anyway. and yet she's still single I don't What's know why <laughs> it's so weird but anyway so where were we? Pledge of Allegiance, baby. Well, okay, right, right, right. Oh, the Chicago's World Fair. Yes, naturally. Oh, no, no, but that's the thing I wanted to say at the Chicago's World Fair. Sorry, this is an aside. But so I obviously read Devil in the White City, and the whole time you're building, you're literally like, holy fucking shit, this fair is popping off. It's crazy. The structures are amazing. The architecture is unbelievable. Every brilliant architect came together to build this beautiful white city in this fake park, like... Oh my god, it's amazing! And then you get to the center of the book where they have insets of pictures, and it literally looks like just like a tacky—it's <laughs> just trash—the <laughs> tacky Potemkin village. Like, was Fulham? Is that the guy's name? I can't remember. The main architect. Like, do not at me, but I could have done a better job. I—I <laughs> sh- I mean, I should be. There's probably a new world exposition coming soon, and I will do it. But just the local liquor truck backing up. Sorry, so that was actually a really, 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 really long aside about the World Fair. It seemed worth it. Yeah, it, pay, it paid off, though. We'll see. There's two more books I have to cut. It will pay off when I think of the other two books. I was really putting myself on the spot. Okay, so we're at the World's Fair in Chicago. Right. So everybody, so it's part of the official Columbus Day cele- celebration. Yeah. Um, and they say, the, they say the original Pledge of Allegiance, which is, I pledge allegiance to the flag. To the republic for which it stands, one, one nation. nation, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. So they later added the United States of America and later added one nation under God. They okay. also capitalized the N nation. We'll get to it. What? So so anyway, after this happens, it goes over like gangbusters. And they were like, we need to spread the word across the nation, um, you know, design an official program for schools to follow on the day of, um, to start following. Um, so, and this was created for the World's Fair. This this bunch of words. Yes. Okay. To to go along with the but flag again scheme. to sell flags. Right. Like so a this fla- was just literally marketing. This was like an advertising. Yes. This is Don Draper. It was like the World's Fair brought to you right. by American flags. Got it. Okay. And um, okay. So then there's the original flag. Um, and then what accompanies this originally is the Bellamy salute. Rebecca, can you guess what the Bellamy salute looks like when you're when you're saluting your flag? Uh, it makes me nervous to think. The salute it basically involves putting your arm a out straight with arm. your arm a straight arm yep. with your palm fingers face down fingers together and then just pushing it out like that. Oh boy, much like the Nazi salute. Yes, <laughs> okay, which is so freaking crazy. So that was the official Bellamy salute, quote unquote. Um, so Dear they started God. doing it. Flu- they, so literally, you can just Google any school child doing the Pledge of Allegiance before 1945 or 1942 was literally doing a Hail Hitler. Is this like our high school yearbooks that had swastikas all up in them because they were pre-World War II and that was the symbol of peace originally? Um, you maybe never, in like... You've never seen old... I've seen like ancient Hindu swastikas, yeah, like Rebecca. If you, look, uh, if you go... We did this together. I can't believe you don't remember this. Like the 1930... But I think that 
those were real swastikas. Like, no, I they think, were, but I'm just like, no, it's jarring because we're like, wow, that is. But I think like people were kind of into fascism and Nazism before yeah. they knew so it was. Do you think that. that had something to do with this, or do you think the the Nazis followed? Like, I don't think that they were... What came first, Bellamy or Hitler? Definitely Bellamy because this is in 1892. This is before Hitler was even born. I like that. Hitler was just a young boy in the mountains of Austria while this was happening. Eventually, I guess... (laughs) <laughs> didn't have much uh, social media back then. Yeah, I don't think it spread. He so saw much. that on TikTok, and he's like, "I like that." Um, but so anyway, so they basically are doing a Nazi salute. We had to get rid of that in 1942 <laughs> when we were at war with a fascist dictator that was murdering millions of people oh, using that arm salute. God. <sighs> so it's it's important to note that this is happening during a major major time of influx and change and especially immigration so one of the main reasons bellamy said he wanted to do this was because he was like it will really endear the country to immigrants like if immigrant children wake up and like are go to school and are saying this it will inculcate these with these like american patriotic values um and it will indoctrination yeah and one might say he uses the word inoculation Oh, that's worse. Yeah, I know. It would protect immigrants and native born. much worse. But insufficiently patriotic Americans from the virus of radicalism and subversion. Oh, my God. So before we get to the other stuff about World War, or about the Cold War, I just want to say that he weirdly championed the rights of, like, working people. He was all about the redistribution of wealth. Like, it definitely sounds like he had some, like, socialist tendency. He taught a class at a university called Jesus the Socialist. Like, oh. like, really was a hardcore, like, kind of subversive dude for, like, eight, love for, like the 1900s. No, but, like, but it's not great because he, um, he's not for universal suffrage, and he was, oh. like, a total eugenicist. Yeah. And he was just like, we can't oh, give so these- Let me guess. Let me guess. He was sexist and racist. Yeah. Um, he they was, all were. He was very for certain forms of equality, but just not, but just not any for- immigrant ever earning right. the vote. Or woman. Or woman. Right. I, he didn't say anything about women. I honestly think he might have been down. Well, with if he women. wasn't for universal suffrage, he might suffrage. be down with white women. Oh, sometimes in the thank right you for tell, thank you for telling my story, <laughs> Bellamy. No, 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 no. I'm talking to Francis Bellamy, who's what, who would apparently let me vote. So anyway, basically in 1954, Eisenhower starts to freak out, being like, you know, the communists are atheist, godless bastards. They're who we're fighting against. What are we going to do? And his answer to communism is to add the phrase under God to the Pledge of Allegiance. And that showed the commies right in their commie faces. I think it did. (laughs) Do you think the Russians give one single shit about the Pledge of Allegiance? Guess again. I think that Russia cared a lot about a lot of random stuff that you wouldn't even think to think about. Like, I think that it probably needled them that they were that we were one nation under God. Because because Russia was like, all you have is your state. Like, you don't even get one nation under Russia. You don't get to take. Yeah, it's like one nation under Russia. Like, you don't get to even like have a private experience or a private relationship with God at all. Like, you don't get to have your own thoughts like we're communists we're fucking communists so yeah so ultimately um he was super into all of that type of stuff was very against any mention of god originally bellamy was but it got added in 1954 when eisenhower was like we need to inculcate children with patriotic values and also remind them that american is a christian nation and so and inhospitable to any other yeah. separation of church <laughs> and state went religion. right out the yeah. window. It we went right out the that. window. And there's so many controversies about this. Like there were like a billion court cases about like the Supreme Court ruling over and over again. It's like if you really don't want to 
do it? Can you sit down during it and not recite it? Like, so this was mandated. This, so even now it's mandated. There's, I didn't go to a school where we did the Pledge of Allegiance, so I've never well, said that in my life. Well, that's a sly way of, <laughs> of getting I, in there with the fact that you didn't have any publicly mandated things to do no, at all in your entire no, life. No, very privileged. <laughs> didn't go to public school. But all states except California, Hawaii, Iowa, Vermont, and Wyoming require a regularly scheduled recitation of the Pledge of Allegiance in, pu- in public did you schools. Pledge Allegiance? Of course. I pledge allegiance all the time. We all did. Every day. Every, wow. day. Every morning announcement. Seriously? Yeah. And that's crazy to me. And it's important. That's more communist than anything I've heard this I episode. Know. Well, it's, it's also important to add that I did do the Pledge of Allegiance as a child, and I fucking loved it. <laughs> I, was I bet you did. I bet you were fired up. I was up. like, yes. Well, Bellamy designed it to be, like, short to the point, 15 seconds. Yeah. They tried setting it to music for a while. That didn't Are work out. Are you kidding out. me? Yeah, there is, like, literally... This is a huge rabbit hole. You could go down for hours and days of your life if you really wanted to get I think into that's the- really scary. Yeah. What that we that children still say it every day? The, there was a, I mean, there is a culture that required children to stand up and salute a flag and speak their loyalty to the country. That's crazy. Yeah, it's definitely crazy, and it's so unexamined. Like, Bro, like that's there cool? are so many court cases where it's literally like lawyers raising the point that like most people that recite it on a daily basis are school age children that have no fucking that's idea what wild. they're saying, and like maybe don't know what's going on, and like have different beliefs and like are being minimized those beliefs are being suppressed in a government forum like every single day yeah i mean god this is like the original kneeling (laughs) if you just sat down yeah people would get in trouble there's there's literally like conflicting like court rulings about people that don't want to do it or people that choose i'm shook i had no idea are too young but like yeah i mean you don't and the official stance it's like people that don't i mean remember when obama got yelled at for not putting his hand over his heart during it obama rabble rouser but he literally and people were like he's not doing that because he's a muslim and he can't say under god like that was literally what the conservative like web was saying about truthers birthers donald trump among them Exactly. But so Gross. literally they were like, this is the one, but the official protocol is you're supposed to take a hat, your hat off your, if you have a head covering, you take it off, put yeah. your hand on your heart. And if you're in the military, you're allowed to salute, which I, personally, I'd like to salute. <laughs> I've never served, but like, it does sound like something I want to do. I mean, if you're going to go full, like, honestly, daily you, jingoism affirmation, you, you might as well. If you join the army, you never have to think about what to wear to a wedding again. Because you're always in your, you're always in your navy whites, you're always in your whatever. And you that's look appealing sh- to you? And you look sharp and people love it. No, that's, it's not appealing to me. See, the most appealing part is skipping the line on airplanes. I have like eight weddings this year. I'm like, what am I going to wear? What am I going to wear? Yeah. If I was just join up, I wouldn't have to think about it. But wow. anyway, so a lot of, so I didn't even really get deep into the court cases, but this is basically a recurring thing that will like break out every 10 years. Someone will be like, I don't want to fucking say the Pledge of Allegiance. I'm surprised the ACLU isn't all over this. It I, seems the ACLU is bigger fish to fry, Rebecca. True, true. <laughs> but like, you got to have some like little intern ACLU lawyer that could keep this going. Ooh, I don't like this at all. Well, it's funny because in California, you're not allowed, or like you're not, you don't, it doesn't have to be the pledge, but you do have to do some patriotic activity every day. Are you kidding so me? So it's basically like you have to do the pledge, but it's like, what would you do instead? Like fire what? a gun? Like See, this is where like, <laughs> like fire off 16 rounds. Fire off the sky. 16 rounds. Cacaw into the ether. <laughs> like literally like ride an eagle. Like what would the other so an American like, flag oh by hand. I would love that. Like, Fireworks. But it has hot dog eating contest. Yeah, like live every day. Baseball. Like it's the Fourth of July in California. Basically, God. you could. You could probably. 
Why are what Americans I'm saying is so I think obsessed. they worded it like that so that Californians, if they wanted to, could be like, I'd like to do an alternative patriotic thing during that time. Or your kid could say that. But I guess no one does because it just seems like a headache. I am so much more amped to present mine now, which is okay. just literally why America sucks. Well, I'm, I'm excited. So, yeah, it's a very, A, it's, it's always been controversial because, like, since communism fell, do we really need to prioritize making people say they're loyal to the United States every day? But it's also like a, a separation of church and state thing. So it's weird on two levels. It is the it's the weirdest thing. I just don't understand that we how, do. Like, it's the weirdest thing that happens every day in American public I mean, schools. Is and this an example of like worldwide American manifestation? Like we're not Yes. We're, gonna, we're like, indivisible, baby. Yeah. <laughs> we're not going to be communists One just because we speak it into existence through our children every day. Like, that's a little crazy. I mean, it was. it's just crazy because I feel like there was, during the Cold War, and people were so terrified they were going to wake up every day and get hit with a new in the face and everybody was going to be dead or, like, duck and cover. Like, people were doing duck and cover exercises every day. It seems... It seems less weird that they were doing a Pledge of Allegiance than the fact that they were, like, preparing for nuclear war all the time. But once like, things chilled out, it's like you would think they would just take the under God out. The Americans have absolutely ruined the Cold War for me because just, like, watching oh, Carrie yeah. Russell and Matthew Reese fall in love, I was just like, yeah, I'm, I support all the Russians now. Just from that one love story. I'm very I haven't really seen the Americans, so but I don't good. think it could turn me against Let the me American you. side of the Cold War. Let me war. tell you, you get pretty sympathetic by the end. You're like, I'm into this. This mantle at all and they've got like an fbi next door neighbor it's fun i watched the first two episodes and then i was like i, I was trying to write episodes a, of every television no, 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 show no. i know i i know i'd be obsessed with it if i put in the you time so but i just i was like writing a paper at the same time and couldn't really invest but so scholarly so scholarly um so anyway that's that's statue of I was gonna say Statue of Liberty. That's the Plus. that's the Pledge of Allegiance. I'm shocked. I learned a lot. I know. I mean, how deep it goes all the way to the top. All the way to the top. Literally, the fact that it's a, it started as a flag selling pyramid scheme I is can't the believe that. Part. I just watched a documentary on pyramid schemes in the essential oil business, and it seems very similar. They hit on all the same touch points. Totally. Terrible. Percent. Um, so yeah, that's that's my that's my shtick. So shall we pivot to yeah, let's pivot. a section I like to this call... This is where the ads will go once we have sponsors. <laughs> yes. So it's not going to be as jarring when we become famous. This because is going to be a jarring be, transition even with It'll ads. be me talking about, like, Blue Apron. I think, we're gonna, <laughs> <laughs> I think we have got to call a section like America What, what You Doing, and this would fall very strongly into this category. I literally... Are you introducing a new segment? Maybe, <laughs> maybe. Without consulting me? I don't know. But this definitely falls into it if we were to have that. I had to watch clips from the trash movie Pearl Harbor just to oh feel God. any sort of sympathy for Americans after learning about our next topic, Japanese internment. Wow. Which people love to forget about. Wow. We don't wow, like wow. to talk about the ghettoization of yeah. the Japanese that we fully did. So the backstory for this little ID is obviously Pearl Harbor, which happened December 7th, 1941. And resulted in lots of U.S. ships going under and a lot of aircraft and about 2,403 Americans died, which was pretty catastrophic. So the Japanese bombed Pearl Harbor. And it was a huge surprise attack. Yes. Like they went through crazy measures to not be forthcoming about like their plans. Like they had to fly all the way from Japan to Hawaii. Which is crazy. And no one knew. It's not as far as people think though. It's not as far as people think, but like if you think about the size of a tank of that size plane doing that and coming, like where were they refueling otherwise? Like that's insane. 
Yeah. But I, I do think a lot of them, wasn't that the whole Tora 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 thing, too, that they were willing to die for it? Like, it was very much like a suicide like bombing, kamikaze. I don't think Pearl Harbor was kamikaze, necessarily. Like, I think that those people are still... They, they had much less casualties, obviously. Yeah. They had, like, I think 2,000. Yeah. No, no a com- like, a kamikaze is, like, I'm straight up yeah, gonna destroy the plane myself. in right, right. the process. But I think that, like, it's worth noting from, like, what I've read about, like, racist sentiment that, like, surged during this time towards Japanese, obviously, was kind of, like, the covert nature right, of the attack. Sneaky, it's, like, yeah. they were really used to much more open warfare. Right. And, like, they knew where all the other enemies were. So right. the fact that it was, like... A complete and total surprise on like a random Sunday morning. Yeah, it's crazy, crazy. So the reaction from the U.S. government was obviously pretty swift. Um, they arrested with really no cause a bunch of Japanese Americans living in California and on the West Coast, and they moved them all to facilities in New Mexico, North Dakota, and Montana. And the FBI issued a bunch of search warrants that were def not illegal just seizing people's property, like really just went gangbusters. Like we are going to protect the American shores from the threat of Japanese espionage. And people were really afraid that this was like the beginning of more. Like I really remember in 9-11, the fear that this was just the beginning of something bigger. And I feel like totally. Pearl Harbor was like the first real attack on U.S. shores like that, where it felt like this was a precursor to something yeah. else that was going to happen. So the government reaction was... And well, sorry to no, interrupt no. you, but... Um, I think it's also super important to notice that, like, America, as George Washington said in his address, is so completely, like, so lucky and so blessed to be so isolated from yes. other mainland and other yes. superpowers that we have completely enjoyed. And, like, the it's such a shock to our system to that there's anything yes. happening on U.S. soil. Like, even now, I mean, it's just crazy. It's, and it's, Hawaii, like, has that sort of, like, somewhat a strange sense of American uh-huh. identity. So the fact that it happened in Hawaii and this was, it felt like, okay, so yeah. it's happened here. Here, the next logical conclusion is going to happen on America yeah. proper. And I think that, like, it's totally the same with 9-11 where I feel like people were so fucking shaken because they were like, Americans really feel like we have this identity that we are separate yeah. and, like, wars don't happen we're on insular, our soil. Like, it's right. crazy. Like even We can fight wars elsewhere, We can but fight not wars here. elsewhere, but not yeah. here. And also, like, it's just crazy to think about America versus England during that time. Like, two very similarly yep. superpowers with tons of money, but, like, the civilians of London and England experienced World War II in a completely different yep. way than we did. Like, they literally, London was bombed every night for 40 it nights. It was just like, like oh, completely fucking the regular bombed. 5 o'clock exactly. bombing. So yep. I think it's like a huge difference in, like, American identity and manifest yep. destiny, if you will, that it's like, I do think that these, like, attacks on our soil, like, really get to us more intensely. Sure. And that feeling of natural protection that we have is, is so much more easily corrupted than I think yeah. a lot of other countries that are used to this. This is part of their history. I mean, we are such a new country. It's all of us is fresh still. We're dealing yeah. with wounds for the uh. first time. So more results immediately following 1500 Japanese living in Hawaii, which was a, a large percentage of the people that were living, habitating Hawaii were sent to camps on the mainland, like in the first couple days afterwards. So they had this like forced deportation of people out of Hawaii to these camps where they could control them. What was, like, the economic profile of the people that went? It didn't matter. It was anyone they thought was perceived to be sketchy, whether that was ties to military operations or proximity to things. It was kind of... I mean, it happened so quickly afterwards, I think it was kind of indiscriminate. It was just, like, whatever we can... Whatever, throw everything at the wall, see what sticks, and deal with the legality and the ethics of this later. So 
this guy, General John DeWitt, was the really like big proponent of creating these military zones to detain Japanese Americans and not just Japanese Americans on the West Coast, just like carte blanche, we're going to detain anybody who's Japanese. And a couple people were like, that's pretty fucked up. And, we, and unconstitutional. Yeah, like we shouldn't do this. But classic FDR, who by most accounts was a good president, was like, I'm not taking the chance. So on February 19th, 1942, he signed Executive Order 9066, and this basically was intended to prevent espionage on U.S. shores. What it really meant was that 15,000 Japanese Americans were willfully moved out of prohibited areas on the West Coast and moved inland. And obviously, as these people were moving inland, there was this enormous anti-Japanese sentiment. So they were moving from regions they were now told they couldn't live in because of threat related to the war, moving inland to, you know, middle America that wasn't necessarily the most woke and they were experiencing enormous resistance and racism and all sorts of terrible obviously side effects of this so at that point in the wake of 9066 by March 1942 they had this they had to create like a civilian organization to deal with this because it was just like too big of a movement of people to deal with the government alone so they created uh, the War Relocation Authority which is just a fancy name for a bunch of people that were down with enforcing the internment of Japanese guys, except for this one dude, and he was the guy that was originally hired to oversee this whole thing. His name was Milton Eisenhower, and he was with the Department of Ag, and they initially tapped him to kind of like be the government official for this civilian-run group, and one month into the job, this guy's like, yeah, so this is like deeply unconstitutional and just like real fucked up and racist, and I am out, and so he's a hero, so... Wow. I'll let you, Milton Eisner. Wow. He wow. knew that was wrong, and he got the fuck out of there. Um, Did he do anything else, or was no, he, just he just like, this he's is like, my... This is my hill to die on, and good for him. Good hill. Wait, was he related to Eisenhower? I honestly didn't look it up, but I would assume it's kind of a, <laughs> kind of a dynastic name. You think? Yeah, I mean... I was just at Eisenhower's, his ho- his, the Summer White House in Newport. Oh. Have you been there? No. It's right up the I didn't hill. know yet. Which, where? Like, uh, like by Port Adams. No way. Yeah. And it was like, and I was like, Eisenhower of all people? I, I'm shocked. I thought that he would be from like, you know, like a flyover state. That's like, crazy. Just like, I see him as like a corn fed. <laughs> yeah. Like oh, an America's yeah. boy. I, I mean, 100%. So after 1966 was passed and our boy Milton Eisenhower was like, this is wrong and I'm out. It got underway. So they called them assembly centers, which is like a nice, fun word for concentration camps. But that is what they were. And that started on March 24th. And people were given six days to get rid of all their possessions except that which they could carry. So people that had houses, careers, generations that have been in this country were like, you have literally six days to pack up all your shit and anything that you can't sell or put in storage or give to your white neighbors is now government property peace and love well i um i just read this amazing book that everyone should read um called the buddha in the attic and it's about oh, i've heard it's great it's amazing and it's so fast like if anybody listening to this is like what can i read in one afternoon that will shake up my life forever oh, I wanna <laughs> please read, it. read this book anyway but they, it's so interesting because they talk about how like it was just so affecting because they were talking about how so many people had to leave their cats behind. Oh, and they didn't have any, like, like... Chernobyl. I know. I mean, it's so sad. And, and that so many of them were, like, you know, owned laundries, owned restaurants, were doctors, were, and yep. they had to literally leave their lives. And then there was, like, a 
housing vacuum that it created where all these white yep. people were just like, oh, fuck yeah, I'm going to move yeah. into this house. Like, this it is, is great. so fucked up and crazy. Yep. And I love the decor. Like, like and it's, yeah, and it's just so crazy because it talks a lot about, like, all the uncertainty in the beginning when they were like, they knew some people were going to be deported. They're like, oh, there's a list. There's just some people on the list. Like, some, like, men might have to go, but it's not going to be big. It's literally just, like, a sign on a telephone pole. Yep. I was like, no, everybody has to leave in six days. So, right shit. in the immediate Bring aftermath, the when the FBI was rounding up people, for the most part, it was men that they identified as being, you know, sketched for whatever racist reasons they had determined. But by the time these assembly centers were set up, they were evacuating anybody that was one sixteenth Japanese. So, I mean, people were working hard. They were, like, looking it up, <laughs> being like, oh, yes, this person is one sixteenth Japanese. They must be in cahoots with the Japanese and willing to, you know, create a problem I on your like soul. so many people that would be one sixteenth Japanese. So many people. Know. So they ended up, you know, evacuating an enormous amount of people, including 17,000 children and several thousand elderly and handicapped, uh-huh. like, not your prime espionage candidates, but they were just kind of being indiscriminate at this point. These assembly centers were located in like super remote areas. They were often in places that had to be transformed for this specific purpose. So they were like repurposed fairgrounds or at livestock farms. So people were living in barns and stables and you were having, you know, like six families to a house, just like terrible, terrible conditions, you know, not dissimilar to the border crisis that is going on right now, like packing up people into little cells. sounds... Hoping for the best, which is, again, all based on racism. So there were, you know, obviously frequent food shortages, substandard sanitation. You could get a job, and your job could be any of the normal things that would be in the real world, such as doctors, lawyers, you know, farmers, all of this. Except you could not make any more money at any given point than what a U.S. Army private made. Which is were they just in the army? Were they considered to be in the army? And absolutely to that. What point. were they wearing the weddings? <laughs> like, did they have dress whites? No, and they should have. And a lot of them were uh, housed at netting factories. So, like people that were manufacturing nets for like fishing the nets? war effort. No, like like oh, army nets. Army nets. So they did like double duty, like war effort How slash much concentration nets were there camp. In the war? I mean, I didn't think there was that much of a need, but apparently you need a lot more nets to fight so Nazis. So it was a straight-up, like, work-labor camp. Like, it was and the irony like being, like, factories. the U.S. is at war to fight fucking concentration camps, among other things. Wow. And then, like, we were doing... I didn't think about how, like, deeply ironic it is. Deeply ironic. So there are some heroes that emerge from this okay, story. Some classic... Oh, one of my favorite hero stories is that two of these centers were in Arizona, and they happened to be on Indian tribal lands, and the councils got together and were like, no, we think this is classic American bullshit. We are not about this. And America just didn't care. They were like, no, we will still have the Japanese Wait, here. so where's the hero? Just the, Indians the two just people being that like, were like, don't come? No, the Indians in general being like, this is garbage. Like, you can't use our land for this. Oh and God, Americans just like strong arming the Indians like normal, like, because we're all so the worst. But I mean, I just, I feel like out there somewhere there's, like, a quirky dramedy about, like, the Japanese and the Indians just being like, fuck the Americans, though. Well, have you like, read Farewell to Manzanar? You have read everything, Blair. Well, Not the, everybody the, reads it's every a, book It's ever. a YA novel about... I do love YA novels. I mean, yeah. So if you want to talk about something that won't take you long to read because it's... Are we going to read Midnight Sun? <laughs> because it's... Because it's... Yeah, this is a book club for Stephanie Meyer Twilight series. No, but... We'll get into it. But Farrell to Manzanar, if you are looking for a quirky tale about a young girl having to relocate with her family to a concentration camp in America... 
Um, that's a really good one, and it is. God. It's a really fast read because it's again written for eleven year olds, but it's great. So the heroes, the real heroes, I mean the Indians were always heroes, but like the the standouts in this is this, first this guy Fred Korematsu. Fred, classic. So Fred is born January thirtieth. Sign. Aquarius, like the rebels, the rule breakers, like the most like they're the, they're the visionaries. Like I, they're literally. I am deeply attracted to Fred Korematsu. They, like, let me tell you. Oh my god, I love Aquarians. So Fred was arrested because he just straight up refused to relocate. He was twenty three, and he's like, I am not oh, yes. inconveniencing the start of my life King. with this classic King. American bullshit. He's like, this is annoying. His case went all the way to the Supreme Court. And it was Korematsu versus the United States. It ultimately didn't go anywhere. So did he still have to go? Yeah, he still did. But he um, eventually just became a civil rights icon. And now they celebrate on his birthday every year on January 30th in California, Fred Korematsu Day. Which I had no idea. And he is like seen as an OG Japanese American civil rights icon. Love him. There need to be more Japanese American civil rights icons. I mean, he was an early king. Yeah, we love him. So... The internment camps officially ended in 1945 after our second hero, Mitsuya Endo, sued the U.S. Uh, and her case went to the Supreme Court. And it was ultimately that this war relocation authority, which was, this, again, this civilian enforcement, didn't have the authority to, quote, subject citizens who are conceitedly loyal to leave procedure. So basically... This it was a civilian enforcement? It was yes. like those crazy places in Seattle? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, those people rule. Well, but. where are those people? I mean, what has happened with the... No, the, I mean, the militias that are, like, disappearing people in the streets of the United States right now. Like, where are the people that oh, have you been mean missing? Government. Oh, I know. I, I mean... But so was it, like, that kind of task force, though? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know if it was as, like, insidious as <laughs> it is now, but it was a There's group no of civilians. It was, it was a group of <laughs> racist volunteers that were like, yes, we are going to enforce the internment of Japanese Americans. Wow. And that's pretty fucked up. So the Supreme Court ultimately decided that this was, in fact, unconstitutional. And that case that Mitsuya Endo brought against the Supreme Court was what ended these internment camps. And she was the one. Yep. Wait, so did it end before the war? Yes. And then they gave, the Supreme Court gave uh, FDR a few days notice so he could end the camps before their decision was announced. Wow. So FDR shut the camps down in uh, 1945. The last camp closed in 1946. And Gerald Ford then in 1976 officially repealed Executive Order 9066. And then in 1988, Congress issued a formal apology and passed the Civil Liberties Act, which awarded each uh, Japanese person affected by this, which ended up being 80,000 Japanese, $20,000 in reparations, to which I ask... Where are the slavery reparations? Like, we made good on the Japanese. We, I mean, okay, I don't know not to make up, not to make up for it, but we did put our money where our mouths are with this reparations thing. And the fact that we can do this on some scale, and the, the, I bring this up because I had no idea that reparations were paid after this. Like, I really learned this in researching Japanese internment. And the fact that there is legal precedent for it is shocking to me that we haven't done it for everybody else that deserves it that's insane crazy i can't believe i never knew there was a supreme court case is that like why they studied no but i didn't know that it was uh, ruled as unconstitutional and that's why they stopped that yep was part of it just that the war was like winding down yeah anyway? yeah the war was winding down i don't think it would have happened if it was still in like the thick of the war but the fact that the supreme court because of this court case came down and then said to fdr okay like we are going to announce 
our result and this is what it's going to be, but we're going to tell you first so you can end it before the decision is made public. That's so psycho. It's some psycho shit. I can't believe they got $20,000 for having to literally uproot their whole lives. I know. And- I know. But it's some. It's better than the nothing we've yeah, given black something. Americans. Like, Jesus. Wow. Yeah. So the whole thing is fucked, and I think we could subtitle this episode, What the Fuck, Patriotism? Mo Liberty, Mo Problems. Mo Problems, big time. But actually, that shouldn't be the slogan for this. I just thought of that as a potential slogan for myself. <laughs> but yeah, that's not really the theme of this episode. No, no. This is just an episode about, you know, the good and the bad. But mostly the bad. But this was about the bad. Yeah. But I mean, the Pledge of Allegiance has its moments. I mean, I think both of these ideas. Think about a young Blair with just two braids on either side of her head. Just like a a little Laura Ingalls. It's like a little Laura Ingalls. Yeah, Laura was always my favorite. Yeah, I know. But, man. Come on. I I mean, it's a nice image, but I. It's a nice image, and I do think. The sentiment is terrifying. But I, but I, the sentiment is terrifying, but it's, it wasn't terrifying when Bellamy thought of it. Like, it was literally just like, oh, we're just going to sell. Bellamy was just trying to hawk some flags. We're just going to sell some fucking flags. I'm not like, but he was also like, it will make, but he was also saying it will like make immigrants feel more equal in their new home and kind of like quell any disturbances. So I think that there are. Bellamy was a separate. If you're looking, if you're looking for the silver lining in the Pledge of Allegiance, it can be found, but you have to look for it like it's still pretty fucked up that people say it every day and no one has any idea why and it's all to sell american flags i mean i feel real good about not participating in this like psychological indoctrination well it must have been nice in your ivory tower was you know the ivory (laughs) tower there are some uh, benefits to it let me tell you i think that's what we got for today okay great well amazing thank you for listening bye Thank you for listening to Manifest Destiny, a millennial take on the American millennium. If you enjoyed our show, please leave us a positive review on your preferred podcast platform, but only if you enjoyed it. Looking for a history fix in between episodes of Manifest Destiny? Be sure to follow us on Instagram at Manifest Destiny Pod for exclusive content and quality memes.